Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It is so great to be with you on this Wednesday. What a show ahead of us. Let's get into it. We got some good news out of Ohio last night. Issue one, the direct ballot initiative that sought to, uh, if it had been voted yes on, change the threshold necessary to amend the state constitution of Ohio. We'll talk about why that could have been very detrimental if it had gone through, but it has been resoundingly rejected by the citizens of Ohio. Again, this is issue one, and it has to do with what just shortly down the road will affect abortion rights in the state of Ohio and possibly amending the state constitution to protect reproductive rights. And if this had been voted yes on, it would have made that more difficult. We'll get into the details of that. And then we'll get into in this segment, because of the implications on abortion rights, a pro-life individual appeared on CNN with Caitlin Collins after CNN had already called the results of this direct ballot vote. And the response was just so strange. He was pretending like it hadn't already been called. It was really weird. So we'll get to that as kind of the more uh, entertainment side of this segment. But first, the important aspects on this uh, from Yahoo News. Ohio issue one takeaways, abortion is still a winning issue for Democrats. The failure of issue one in Ohio is another swing election win for Democrats supporting abortion rights in wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned last year and another loss for Republicans pushing anti-transgender talking points. And that is pointing out that, of course, as is always the case these days, one of the fear-mongering devices was saying, if you make it or if you don't make it harder to amend the state constitution, Democrats are going to do something with radical gender ideology. Who even knows? Republicans in the Ohio legislature spent $20 million on the first statewide election to be held in August since 1926 to have voters decide on a single issue. Should it be harder for citizen-led initiatives to amend the state constitution via ballot measure? The vote was a de facto referendum on abortion held in advance of a second ballot measure in November that will decide, and this is a huge part of this, whether or not to establish protections for reproductive rights in the state constitution. And it lost decisively as the article notes. And so because one of these direct ballot initiatives on amending the state constitution to protect reproductive rights is coming up in November. This was an effort to make it more difficult to do that. So instead of a simple majority, 50% of the vote statewide for one of these citizen-led initiatives, it would have to be 60% of the vote, which could change whether or not reproductive rights in the state of Ohio are protected come November. So good to see because it was a de facto vote sort of on abortion rights and it was another example of seeing if the right-wing fear-mongering about gender ideology and abortion and all of that if that would be effective and it wasn't and people did come out on the correct side which is good to see so moving from that now we have some hope for the state of ohio coming uh soon on the subject of abortion rights we move to just what i found very very strange on cnn last night this was Caitlin Collins just calling the uh, results. And we start with breaking news for you this evening, because CNN can now project that Ohio voters have rejected issue one. This is a ballot measure championed by the state's Republican-led Congress that would have made it harder to change Ohio's constitution, to add an amendment. This was an effort by Republicans to basically change the rules before there was going to be a key vote on abortion rights come November. Right. So... All right, it's been called. The statistical reality was one that didn't lend itself 
to even though more of the votes were outstanding um, and lots have to be counted, it's not at all likely that it would shift to a yes vote. But then uh, Mike, and let me not butcher this name, Gonadakis appeared on CNN, who is a representative of some pro-life organization. And he, instead of answering the question that Caitlin Collins asked, is just saying, well, I mean, technically we still haven't lost on this issue. There's still votes out. Let's start tonight with Mike Gonadakis. He is the president of the Ohio Right to Life group. Mike, obviously you were hoping that, that this was going to pass tonight. Why did this fail? Well, uh, Caitlin, thanks for having me on your show. You know, look, there's still over 7,000 precincts that still need to have their results turned in. We could, we're expecting another million and a half votes, so we're not ready to call it on our side just yet. You know, we still think that the votes are out there. We're really good at same-day voting in the Republican Party, so we're still holding out. We don't believe that the race should have been called this early, but here we are today, and, um, you know, the, the no side is winning, of course, but um, at the end of the day, we still want to count all of our votes. Do you still think there's a chance? That's one way to do it, just... Why do you think you lost tonight? <laughs> well, I didn't. I, I do. I think 7,000 precincts. It's not in the nation, but just in the state of Ohio. So there is still time. You know, we're going we're gonna to let the process play out, and then we'll see where we're at. But at the end of the day, you know, we've been laser-focused on November since January. This was just step one in the process, and we'll be ready to go come November. Well, I'll say CNN is obviously really accurate with, the, with these projections. We don't make these early. We make these when we have a very good assessment. That's exactly right. Very dependable, the process they use to figure out if it's at all likely that it could shift in the other direction. And uh, you can pretty much, what's the phrase? Bet your bottom dollar or whatever on these predictions. Let's see. Then, <laughs> this is so funny to me for some reason. The pro-life president guy uh then just starts talking as if still after that conversation already happened, as if there was still a chance it was going to change. And then Caitlin Collins has to go. Um, I want to remind our viewers, in case you're getting confused, we've called this already. It's over. Not that the vote will, vote will uh, still get counted, but as we discuss these things in the media, once it's called by the networks, it's kind of a, a done deal because it's so rare that it would swing the other direction. What do you say to people who are critical of the timing of this? I mean, even a former Republican governor of the state, Bob Taft, said that a question this big should go to voters in November, not in a summer special election, which the Republican supermajority there had just voted to eliminate. I mean, did they mess this up in the camp of people like you who are trying to get this passed by scheduling this vote in August and not doing so in November? Yeah, no, I, I look, at the end of the night, we've had a great voter turnout today. Look, in all 88 counties, uh, early voting, same-day voting has been tremendous. So the voters knew there was an election. You know, we didn't lose any ground here. I mean, we're, we're approaching gubernatorial turnouts here in, in a lot of counties. So voters are smart. They knew that there was one issue on the ballot. There's no city council races or other races. So the voters are smart. They knew that there was an election today, and they responded. We'll see here in, a, in a 45 minutes to an hour what the final results may or may not be. <laughs> what? Why do you think that... You know, did you make a mistake with the timing, with the strategy of trying to get this through? I, I mean, we're turning out today, so we'll see how it goes. Huh? May not be, but uh, the fact that it was in August, I don't think weighed one way or the other. Well, I think just to remind uh, our viewers, CNN has called this and says that this vote has failed. I know you said that you're still waiting to hear it. And that's his right. He can wait as long as he'd like to then answer for why this was the result. And even though that's just fun and just something to kind of giggle at, 
It is sort of representative of what I'm seeing within the GOP for a lot of people. And some in the GOP are trying to wake people up on this subject, but a lot of them are just ignoring the fact that this is such a losing issue when it comes to abortion rights for Republicans. And the country's just for largely the majority position is the democratic party position and so if they keep pushing these extreme steps to try to ban abortion and um, all these different legislative actions we've seen over the course of the last months since roe v wade was overturned it's going to hurt them and continue hurting them which is fine i want more democrats to get into office and protect reproductive rights so if they want to shoot themselves in the foot uh, Republicans can, but it's just strategically odd that they're not really shifting the message or shifting, uh, shifting the strategy or trying to moderate themselves and charging forward as if they haven't seen time and time again. When voters can vote sort of directly on this subject, it's been consistently uh, toward abortion rights as of recently in favor of abortion rights, which is great to see unless you're within the GOP then you're probably a little bit scared, which is fine with me because I do want, like I said, the proper outcome to be implemented, and that's going to be through the Democratic Party. Donald Trump spoke in Wyndham, New Hampshire, for what would turn out to be a truly ridiculous, bonkers, unhinged speech. And I really do struggle to find new terms to describe these speeches because we cover them often and they're always wild. But I cannot express to you enough how it's absolutely getting worse. He's becoming more detached from reality, more unhinged, more panicked about all of his legal troubles, and he's uh, melting down, this time somewhat literally melting, uh, and that is the context for our first clip here, where he said it's really hot, and so that's why he's so sweaty, and he uses the term extremely wet to describe himself and then says that's what the press is going to describe him as, which because he said that, that will be the title of this YouTube video, Extremely Wet Trump something. And, uh, and by the way, I want to say officially for the press, it's about 110 degrees in this room. Nice job with the air conditioning, whoever. But, but you know what the press will say? You know, what the, they'll say Trump didn't look well. He was extremely wet. It's 104 or 5 degrees in this room, but we're okay with it, right? There we go. Extremely wet indeed. And then we get into the substance, if you want to call it that, where he is clearly desperate as could be, like I said, panicked and continues to perpetuate nonsense about his legal troubles amid his third indictment and very soon likely fourth saying this. Uh, they don't want me to speak about a rigged election. They don't want me to speak about it. Whereas that's I have freedom of speech, First Amendment. How can my corrupt political opponent? The indictment has nothing to do with his freedom of speech. Crooked Joe Biden put me on trial during an election campaign that I'm winning by a lot, but forcing me nevertheless to spend time and money away from the campaign trail in order to fight bogus, made-up accusations and charges. That's what they're doing. I'm sorry, I won't be able to go to Iowa today. I won't be able to go to New Hampshire today because I'm sitting in a courtroom on bullshit because his attorney general charged me with something. Terrible. Wow. 
really meaningful discussions going on there at the Trump event. No, these charges aren't bogus. No, these aren't. It's not an example of Biden fabricating things to go after his political opponent. I do think it will be logistically challenging for Trump to deal with all of his different legal troubles while he's trying to run for president. And that's on him. Maybe he shouldn't have committed or possibly committed all those crimes and then he wouldn't have to deal with the accountability. But uh, as I've said so many times, if you had an argument against the evidence that's being brought forward against you, you would argue against the evidence that's being brought forward against you. Not this vague, my political opponent's targeting me and this is all made made up. Tell me which part. Tell me which part. And that's what is just absent, completely not present in right-wing media and among defenders of Donald Trump. An actual discussion about how what is laid out here is not in detail. Though again, say it kind of zoomed out vaguely, but in detail as you walk through the indictment, how these things aren't legitimate batches of evidence that prove violations of the law and of course trump will still have his day in court and due process and all of it but they won't even engage with the specifics because they know it's a pretty damning set of facts against donald trump then he lashes out against his fellow presidential candidate chris christie in the most childish way who's good no no christie's he's eating right now he can't be bothered Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. You can't do it. You can't do that. So now, because you're not allowed to do that, and therefore uh, we're not going to do it, okay? We want to be very civil, right? So, the ladies... Hmm. Someone who was and wants to be again the president of the United States and his argument against someone is that. And obviously he was trying to jokingly say, hey, that guy said it. I didn't say it. That guy said it. But it's so childish and uh, he actually can't engage with the talking point, similar to how he can't engage with the actual specifics of the evidence against him. He can't engage with the actual arguments that Chris Christie makes about him. And Chris Christie doesn't just attack Trump's appearance or childish parts of Trump. He actually calls out the dangers of Trump and where he has failed and why he would be a bad leader. And that's what Trump really should be responding to instead of what he said there. And then this. So this is all about election interference, but that isn't quite good enough. Crooked Joe now wants the thug prosecutor this deranged guy to file a court order taking away my first amendment rights. biden there is no evidence is involved in this whatsoever so that i can't speak so listen to this we don't want you to speak about the case the case the case is is a ridiculous case it's a first amendment case but we don't it's not once again let me say in the indictment it explicitly says trump is not being indicted for things that he's out saying and lies and he has the right to lie about the election he has the right to legally challenge the election he has the right to spread nonsense it's the potentially unlawful actions he took based on the lies he was telling he was using these lies to justify an unlawful conspiracy coordinating with people to try to overthrow our democratic process and install himself president including a fraudulent slate of electors and pressuring election officials and disenfranchising voters that is what he's being indicted for not his freedom of speech but we have to deal with these talking points that on their face are absurd time and time again and it would be one thing if a bunch of people 
uh, said it, but almost everyone didn't buy it. But a bunch of people say it, and then a bunch of people buy it thinking, oh no, Trump's being charged because he questioned the election result. False. My goodness. I don't want Trump to speak. So they want me, they take away your rights on First Amendment. Now they sue because they're, so now I have one of these lunatic reporters back there saying, sir, we'd like to talk to you about your case. Or, or, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Somehow that's not good for votes. Do you agree? When we say, I can't talk, I'd love to, t I will talk about it. I will. They're not taking away my First Amendment right. So, based on yet another radical left hoax, you know, I've gone through many hoaxes. So what he's referencing is the fact that prosecutors are seeking a protective order based on the threats that Trump is making constantly out publicly about everyone involved in his possible accountability. You understand why they would want a protective order. Then, again, this is a sign of a truly deranged and unhinged human being who is absolutely desperate. He lashes out now at Fannie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County, who is likely bringing charges against him there very soon for a fourth indictment and just spreading baseless nonsense about her. They waited. And I probably have another one. They say there's a young woman, uh, a young racist in Atlanta, say racist. And they say, I guess they say that she was after a certain gang and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. And this is a person that wants to indict me. She's got a lot of problems, but she wants to indict me to try and run for some other office. Uh, what's going on in this country is, uh, and by the way, wants to indict me for a perfect phone call. This was even better than my perfect call with Ukraine. Remember that action? They waited. So it was better than something that was bad. So it was also bad? I don't know. But that is, again, I've, I've said a bunch of times, if they were actually baseless accusations against Trump. He would be able to address the accusations in some meaningful way and not just target the people making the accusations. When all you can do is try to delegitimize and uh, dehumanize and demonize the person bringing the allegations, bringing the possible legal accountability, that's a sign that you can't actually argue against the allegations themselves. Uh, or themselves and that's definitely the case with trump we're going to continue going through the republican primary and now we land on chris christie who trump attacked during his speech in new hampshire that we just finished covering and chris christie has just been consistently accurately effectively wrecking donald trump rhetorically and it's good to see it's not to ignore as i always say the actions and things that Chris Christie has done and said in the past himself, but it is to say, wow, finally a Republican, especially a presidential candidate within the GOP, is able and willing to effectively criticize Trump, not just here and there, but really as clearly and bluntly as you should if you recognize the threat that Donald Trump is. And so we'll start with this on Anderson Cooper's show. The former president's lawyer, a new lawyer, John Loro, is defending the president's actions, obviously. He says a technical violation of the Constitution is not a violation of criminal law. Does that make sense to you? Um, you know, no. And he admits that the president violated his oath. Think about that. The president of the United States promises to preserve, protect, and defend 
the Constitution of the United States. His own lawyer has admitted he violated the Constitution. I want to play something he told Laura Ingram on Fox last week. What President Trump said is, let's go with option D. Let's just halt, let's just pause the voting and allow the state legislatures to take one last look and make a determination as to the as to whether or not the elections yeah. were handled fairly. That's constitutional law. That's not an issue of, of criminal activity. Did he admit uh, the president committed a crime? I mean, because <laughs> the president is charged with corrupt obstruction of an official proceeding. Right. He did. And, and let me say what else he did. It's so wild. <laughs> we'll play more of this. But listen, all Trump was trying to do was to block the certification to prevent the government from functioning. Come on. You know, he, he's opposite of what the evidence is. Mike Pence has been very clear about this. He said the president didn't ask him to halt or pause. He said that he was asked by the president to reverse it. Yep. So even the uh, statement from the lawyer seems to be an omission of guilt of sorts of saying Trump was trying to block that lawful governmental proceeding um, or at least halt it or pause it, which I don't even know what that means. Just pause. Then we'll be able to give you the evidence. Just pause the process for some reason or let the state legislatures re-decide and do something they already did with the electoral it doesn't make any sense but even so that's not accurate either clearly trump was wanting pence to unilaterally reject the results and or accept the fraudulent results and just say actually these are the electors and my guy won and that was what was in the works that was the plan and luckily it failed but Either way, it's not good to say he was just trying to pause it, but that's the new talking point because it sounds better, maybe. It wasn't even that. It was reject, completely prevent the correct electoral process from going forward. And we're going to get to, uh, before watching more from Chris Christie, we're going to get to later in the week, hopefully, an interesting bit of reporting on something we've talked about in the past where military leaders during this time were so afraid that Trump was going to do this, was going to just declare himself president and stay in the White House. And then that would obviously cause uproar among the American population. There would be massive protests. And the plan that seemed to be kind of in the works and what military leaders were afraid of was that the military and the National Guard would be deployed to clash with protesters and so then they would be faced with, do I follow an order like I'm supposed to, or my commitment to our democracy, our constitution? And that would have been a horrible position for them to be put in. And there was so much fear. Again, we'll get to this reporting, the specifics, hopefully later this week. Uh, so much fear within the minds of military leaders that if he did do this coup, the position they would be put in. And he tried and failed, luckily. Here's more from Chris Christie, this time on MSNBC. The problem with Donald Trump is, that he knows no sense of history, has no intellectual curiosity, and doesn't care whether he puts himself before the country at every turn. So when he sits down, Mika, and says, well, I'm getting indicted for you, it is so patently absurd, not only because all the conduct he's getting indicted for were things he didn't have to do and he chose himself to do, 
um, had nothing to do with protecting the American people. How are the American people benefited by him keeping boxes of classified documents in Mar-a-Lago? That was there, and you guys know this. It, he was there just for him to continue to pretend he was president and show off for people right. who were on the back patio at Mar-a-Lago by showing <laughs> them things he shouldn't have been showing them. Uh, and so he's not putting America first. That's the, the great irony of this campaign is Donald Trump saying he's going to put America first. He has not put America first. He's put Donald Trump first. Absolutely. And I just have to note again, that was the case long before Chris Christie started saying it. And that should be noted. And he should have been saying this a long time ago. But because this brand of Republican is so rare, it's definitely notable and interesting uh, to see. And it is wild, I will continue to say, that so many Republicans have been convinced into believing that they are being protected somehow by Trump and Trump is the victim and the hero in this story for taking the indictment that we all deserve. What? I'm being, being indicted for you is what Trump keeps repeating every time he talks about his indictment. How? You're being indicted for things you did that you didn't have to, that you chose to, that were seemingly clearly against the law. That's on you. That's actually you failing those who support you by causing yourself to be caught up in legal troubles when you should be focusing on how to benefit their lives and getting into a position of power to benefit their lives. And then even worse, spending $40 million this year out of your campaign coffers to defend yourself, to pay for your legal fees. So you're spending the money of people who for some reason think you would be a good president to pay legal fees that you're to blame for because you made decisions, as Chris Christie said, voluntarily to do things that were probably against the law. That's on you. And the fact that people see that and then think Trump is a hero for it as he's squeezing money out of them is pretty ridiculous. Last clip we'll look at from Chris Christie during the same appearance. Is it your belief that Donald Trump probably committed a crime or two? Oh, yeah. He certainly okay. committed crimes in the classified documents case. Um, I believe right. the keeping of those documents was a crime and the obstruction was clearly a crime. Um, you know, and, and now the superseding indictment where they were, he was ordering folks allegedly to delete um, the surveillance cameras. You know, it reminded me of like what maybe Abbott and Costello meets the Corleones would have looked like. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, uh, all of a sudden now you're, you're sending uh, you're sending Fredo Walton out as Fredo yeah. down there to yeah. uh, to, to uh. eliminate the uh, to eliminate the server. I mean, this is this is both criminal and completely stupid, which is the combination right. that Donald Trump is bringing to the country is the combination of criminality so and abject stupidity, both in terms of his yeah. comments and in terms of his actions. The other thing is, for Republicans, don't you want someone who could just focus on pushing and advocating for policies that would benefit your life and not spend your entire time thinking about, talking about, mad about his legal troubles that he's to blame for? Trump has consumed the Republican primary conversation and is the center of it now for good reason. It's justified to be talking about it. So historic and so bonkers. But uh, 
if he was out of the picture, maybe there could be a more substantive conversation, unlikely, going on within the Republican primary. And it's wild that voters don't want that. But that's why it's called a cult of personality, because it's not really about the policies or a vision for the future. It's about Trump. It's about this cult that's developed around him, just him as a person, not necessarily the message or policies that he's putting out there. Continuing with our look at the current state of the Republican primary, Vivek Ramaswamy has now overtaken Ron DeSantis in the betters markets, market, whatever it's called. Very, very interesting. And DeSantis is falling very fast. That was my best. Uh, this is from media. Vivek Ramaswamy overtakes DeSantis as betters second choice to win the GOP nomination. Betting odds, which some say provide more accurate predictions than polls, have a new GOP candidate behind former President Donald Trump. While that candidate is hardly a threat to the frontrunner, it is notable because it's not Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Or if you are Trump, you might read that as DeSanctus or DeSanctimonious. It's Vivek Ramaswamy, who hasn't yet been labeled anything. According to Election Betting Odds, a site run by John Stossel and Maxim lot which aggregates betting odds from overseas bookmakers and other prediction markets trump as you would expect is the runaway favorite with the site calculating he has a 70 percent chance to take the gop nomination in 2024 trailing behind him at 9.6 percent is not desantis but vivek ramaswamy who leads desantis at 9.5 percent it's by no means a huge lead but it does represent an enormous fall for DeSantis, who, according to a graph on election betting odds, was actually favored over Trump in late 2022. DeSantis went from, I remember that story too, when the betting market made it look like DeSantis was more likely, or the expectation was, the numbers showed him being more likely to get the nomination than Trump. He was leading Trump, and now he's behind Vivek. Ron, what's going on? Uh, these are bad. This is bad news, as the article notes for DeSantis. He's just replaced his campaign manager and he's having to let go of 38 staffers, about a third of his operation as he continues to drop in the polls. He's distanced himself from Trump, positioning himself as an even more extreme alternative, but most notably disavowing Trump's 2020 election lies, sort of. Uh, for his part, Ramaswamy is still fully on board the Trump train. He was on location for Trump's two most recent indictments in Florida and Washington, D.C., and he's promised to pardon Trump should he be elected himself. Which, by the way, why? Why, why, why would you be voted for, and why would you be supported if you're just the guy who's hyping up the other guy who's in the race? Trump's running, Vivek, so it's strange to me when a candidacy is Hey, that guy who you could choose, he's like really awesome, but I'm me. And I like him, but I'm better because he's great. Hmm. So there it is. Ron DeSantis, unhappy. Vivek used to seem like a candidate that you didn't even have to talk about. And now he is more likely, according to the betters, and I'm not a betting man, but according to the betters, he's more likely to win the nomination than Ron DeSantis. I need to introduce this segment by saying i know so little about soccer so don't judge me for how i'm about to explain this because the point of this story is not the, necessarily the soccer but the political arguments around the soccer 
Uh, but as you may have heard, the U.S. women's soccer team lost in the FIFA Women's World Cup. And uh, it was apparently brutal. It really didn't go well. And right-wingers have started to say, the reason for this, you already know what it's going to be, don't you? Why would right-wing people think that our U.S. women's soccer team lost? Because of woke. That's right. Everything is because of woke. And interestingly, CNN and a CNN host did a nice job of explaining why this doesn't seem to hold a lot of water. And she also brought on another well-known soccer player, one of my favorites, um, to explain why that talking point is ridiculous. Take a look. Team has a inspired sort of a flood of armchair analysts who are chiming in, including people who know nothing about yes. soccer, some who do. Uh, former <laughs> President Donald Trump uh, posted a, a rant on True Social. He said in part, woke equals failure. Uh, the former U.S. men's national team player turned commentator Alexi Lawless tweeted, don't kill the messenger. This team is polarizing. Politics, causes, stances, and behavior have made this team unlikable to a portion of America. I mean, we should note uh, that his record, if you put it up against, say, uh, Megan Rapinoe's, it pales quite in comparison. Uh, but what do you say to critics who are saying that this... So this is hilarious. The Ale Alexi guy uh, was criticizing Megan Rapinoe saying that her woke divisive ideology is to blame in some way and so then cnn showing the comparison of their stats <laughs> this is a team because he's also a soccer player or was or something team that lost because they're too woke or are they just did i mean is there what do you think about that i completely disagree i i think the reason that this team was unable to do the greatness that it's used to doing has nothing to do with any of the things that these people mentioned. I think that having so many rookies on the team in positions of expectation of carrying the team with uh, Sophia Smith, for example, Trinity Rodman up top, expecting them to score a bunch of goals when it's their first time playing on a national team major tournament. Um, Vladko playing, you know, different lineups a lot. I don't think it has anything to do with the amazing achievements that we have done off the pitch and the way that we have as a group stood up for those who can't speak up for themselves. That's something that we have done for 30 years and obviously has not been something that has hindered us in winning championships. We will win again, whether it's in the Olympic Games. Yeah, that makes sense. It's actually about the technical reality on the ground there, the lineup, rookies being responsible for, uh, that's our next thing, sorry, uh, for important positions and a lot of weight being on their shoulders and they're just not ready for that makes total sense now this is not the only thing recently that has been called woke and that's why it's failing or gonna fail but in this situation the failure actually didn't manifest itself so you might have heard and we talked about this on the bonus show but i just want to attach this to this segment as well uh we talked about how right wingers said that the barbie movie because it talks about the patriarchy and uh I didn't watch it. I've been saying I want to watch it, especially because of the controversy. But apparently they feel like it paints men in a bad light or something. And so it's woke. And Ben Shapiro, a well-known right-wing commentator, made this prediction about the Barbie movie because of its wokeness. Week one, this thing is going to clean up at the domestic box office. My prediction is going to just absolutely fall off a cliff after that. The repeat business on this movie is going to be non-existent because it was written by two people who are so smug and self-satisfied, and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, that they have no audience. Okay, 
so that was a prediction and uh it's hit earnings so far 1.3 billion dollars 1.03 i should say billion dollars which then ben shapiro admitted yeah i underestimated how much people would like nonsense like that or something to that effect so it's crushing in the box office and it's not falling off a cliff after people see what it's about and once again we see the fact that this talking point of go woke go broke is a little bit silly and it doesn't get us anywhere i do think about i prepare for the show obviously and we'll really think about what can i say what will be meaningful and then sometimes you know a bunch of thoughts pop into my head while i'm recording and i say those and i want them to bring some substance and add some value to your analysis of a particular event and I think about the preparation for some of these right-wing shows and it's probably just like, okay, let's see here. Um, let's see. My, my bullet point is woke. Okay, cool. So that's going to be my response to every single story today. Pretty easy, but not exactly meaningful, I would say. I got to say, Donald Trump is, he's not doing well. We looked at earlier in today's show, his speech in New Hampshire. On stage, he's melting down, but also off stage. And think about as you go through your life, whatever you're doing, okay, you're at work, you're hanging out with friends, most likely, chances are someone somewhere named Donald Trump is aggressively typing on Truth Social and melting down over his legal troubles that continue to mount and get much more severe. And that's what I have for you here today. And we'll go through some of his rants on True Social and then get to something he said that's relevant to his case and look at that. So first, isn't it terrible, Trump says, that a political opponent can have hazardly charged you with fake crimes in the middle of your campaign in order to interfere with your time and message? And there's nothing you can do to stop this travesty of justice. Well, you could have not committed the crimes uh, they had or alleged crimes. They had 2.5 years to file long before the campaign started. Another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax should not be allowed to happen. Now, of course, his political opponent is not involved in this. This has to do with him being held accountable for his potential violations of the law. And there is no evidence at this point in time that Biden has been involved whatsoever. Then this point, 2.5 years to file. How could you be ready with an investigation that is going to have to be so extensive for a nationwide effort to overturn an election and a conspiracy to that extent? How would you be ready to charge right when the thing happened, which was 2.5 years ago? Very strange. Then he continues. Let's see. My political opponent, crooked Joe Biden, tells Merrick Garland and the DOJ to indict and arrest me. Falls on bogus charges and accusations, trying desperately to steal the election. But that wasn't enough. He now wants thug prosecutor to range Jack Smith to file for a court order taking away my First Amendment rights speech. So based on yet another radical left hoax, I'll be the only politician and for some reason, politician is in quotes and is capitalized. In American history, not allowed to speak. The never-ending witch hunt continues. MAGA. And then he says now in all caps, how can my corrupt political opponent put me on trial during a campaign that I'm winning by a lot by, by forcing me to spend time and money away from the campaign trail in order to fight bogus accusations and charges? Is this going to be the future of elections? America can a president order his Department of Justice to indict an opponent just prior to an election. Why didn't they do this 2.5 years ago? Why now? Never happened before in the United States. This is all about election interference. They need a fact check. Fact check false. Uh, this is not election interference. If he actually had an argument for why the evidence and the accusations against him are baseless, he could make that argument instead of just vaguely saying 
it's baseless. But when he has attempted to engage with the evidence in the classified documents or uh, the most recent, which I haven't even seen him really, it's just usually arguing against something that isn't even a part of the case, such as saying, I shouldn't be indicted for my freedom of speech. True. Unrelated. That's not related to the case whatsoever. So why are you bringing that up? Or the classified documents case saying, uh, this has to do with me following the Presidential Records Act, which number one, he wasn't abiding by. And number two, he's not being charged under. And then again, and this gets to what is relevant to his case, no way I can get a fair trial or even close to a fair trial in Washington, D.C. There are many reasons for this, but just one is that I'm calling for a federal takeover of this filthy and crime-ridden embarrassment to our nation. My goodness. And that has to do with this. Uh, as Forbes reports, Trump wants to move January 6th trial to West Virginia. Here's why that's unlikely. Trump said on True Social late Wednesday that his case will hopefully be moved to a more impartial venue like the politically unbiased <laughs> okay, West Virginia, claiming it's impossible to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C., given the district's political leanings. And John Lauro, Trump's lawyer, said, quote, or said he's, quote, looking for a more diverse area that has a more balanced political jury pool. Just think about that for a second. West Virginia is the diverse area where Trump wants to have his trial, as opposed to D.C. that I guess is not diverse. I don't know what metric of diversity they're referencing because West Virginia obviously is not known for its diversity. And then uh, another one, remember these indictments aren't legit. Also in quotes and capitalized, I don't know why. They were all thrown up at me quickly and haphazardly, including the local ones by my political opponent, Crooked Joe Biden. That really doesn't make sense. He didn't throw up the federal ones, but how on earth would he be throwing up the local ones? It's not like the state or country is coming down on me. It's a dishonest politician and his gang of thugs breaking the law in order to get reelected. There should be outrage at this. A new low in American politics, election interference. The good news is that the people get it, in quotes. And uh, so does the fake news, and it just goes on and on and on. I won't subject you to more. But as he is trying to get a venue change to West Virginia instead of DC because of the diversity, okay, he also wants to get the judge removed who is overseeing, this is Tanya Chutkin, uh, the third indictment related case. So this is being reported on from CNN. Now let's talk about the specifics here because he's spoken a lot about the judge. Tanya Chutkin yep. here, and he wants her removed from the case. Ellie, as, as a legal matter, what's the significance and likelihood of this happening? Very, very unlikely. I would say close to 0% that the judge gets removed. First thing that I have to clarify, Donald Trump keeps suggesting in his post that this judge was somehow selected by DOJ as if they judge shop. Not at all. Judge Chutkin was wheeled out, as we say. There's a literal wheel that you yep. spin and pull a thing, a pull a note card out of. She was randomly assigned to this case. Same way, by the way, Judge Cannon, who Trump appointed, was randomly assigned to his case down in Florida. So let's get that clear. He keeps suggesting this was handpicked. Not right. So because she was appointed by Barack Obama and other reasons, I guess, Right-wingers are saying that she can't be impartial and she can't oversee this case, but they don't have an issue with Eileen Cannon overseeing the classified documents case who was appointed by Trump. That's not a conflict of interest. Okay. And based on all of the attacks against Judge Chutkin, she's having to up her security. 
today, CNN observing additional security for federal judge Tanya Chutkin. She's the one who overseeing the January 6th prosecution of former President Trump. And this comes after Trump posted about her on social media, suggesting that he won't be able to get a fair trial if she's the one overseeing the case. Now, Wolf, she is also, of course, the one who will decide on this protective order. And it's unclear when her decision on that will come down. And later, this, it appears the security around the federal judge in this case has increased dramatically following Trump's repeated attacks against her. I really do feel bad for all the people who become targets of Donald Trump rhetorically. And I know they can handle it and they're going to do their job. But Jack Smith and all those involved in his office and the judges it's horrible and i feel really bad for them really really wild moment we're in in america for sure we are going to wrap it up there for today i like to just update y'all when there's a lot of logistical things going on so i am guest hosting once again this thursday and friday on the david pacman show i tell you that so you can make sure you're watching there because then you get a bunch of content from me across those two days because I'll do everything I can to also do my show and because I don't want to double up stories. I do fresh stories across both shows, but in one day doing my show, his show, and his bonus show is just a lot of content, so it might shorten my show a bit. Um, but like I said, if you tune in to his, then you get an hour and a half plus content for those two days. Uh, and let's see anything else to update you guys on. I don't think so. What a week it's been, more to get into tomorrow and I will see you then.